Motivated people are more engaged people, more involved people. And when they are intrinsically motivated, meaning that they are driven by internal and personal factors like shared values, people become committed to the team and its mission, not merely compliant through external rewards. Motivation that's intentionally cultivated and nurtured can unlock the power of ownership, responsibility, growth, and increased leader capacity across your team and organization. So in this third and final part of the motivation series, let's explore two simple but impactful tools that leaders can use to both assess the status of motivation of their people and to map out where and how to improve it. I'm excited about this episode as we dive into some tactical resources that you can start putting to use today with nothing more than a simple scratch piece of paper. So here we go. Welcome to the 3x5 Leadership Podcast, where we champion intentional leaders who create significant impacts. In this show, we share simple, practical strategies to help you live, lead, and learn more intentionally. I'm Josh, and thanks for joining us today. Over these last two episodes, we've been looking at motivation. Particularly, we've addressed the power of intrinsic motivation, which is when people are driven by personal, internal factors rather than external rewards. We've also uncovered how autonomy is a great way to tap into that motivation and ways that leaders can create space for more autonomy within their teams. But I'm left with the question of what do I do about motivation now? I recognize it's important and I'll begin to create opportunities for increased autonomy in my team. But how do I know motivation is good or healthy, uh, the right level or mixture or flavor for my team? So let's address those in today's episode. We're going to investigate two important tools that we can use to assess and also generate motivation in purposeful and sustainable ways. So let's dive into this first tool, which is commonly called the two-factor theory. This tool breaks motivation into two factors, motivation and hygiene. And you can basically use these to create two lists. List number one, the motivation factor, identifies all the things that create satisfaction at work and within someone's job. So common examples of motivation factors include things like meaningful work, responsibility and autonomy, recognition, appreciation, uh, opportunities for growth, desirable compensation, appropriate work flexibility, and even just being part of a high-performing team. The other factor, however, called hygiene, are the things that create work dissatisfaction. Uh, These can be poor pay, bad work conditions or environment, uh, poor supervisors and managers, Uh, overly bureaucratic systems that stymie organizational improvement, uh, and even frustrating interpersonal relationships with colleagues and and so on. Now, before we get into how to apply this this framework, uh, we should understand that these two factors are not mutually exclusive. Just because one increases or decreases based on adjustments that you make, that does not mean it automatically leads to the opposite effect in the other. So improving hygiene factors like a poor work environment does help reduce dissatisfaction in others, but it does not mean that it improves satisfaction. These factors remain independent of one another, and thus leaders need to attend to both. So that's all this tool is. It's just two simple columns, one listing motivation factors that create satisfaction, one listing hygiene factors that create dissatisfaction. But how can we apply this simple two-column list approach? I think there's some easy steps that we can follow to build our proficiency in using it successfully. 
the first step is uh, create the, co the two columns, like physically draw them out on paper. And then look at your own job, your own work environment, and jot down all the sources of work satisfaction and dissatisfaction. Spend some time, even some, some uh, iteration, uh, thinking broadly of all the factors that contribute to your feelings of work and categorize them into the two lists. What brings you satisfaction and motivation at work? List it all out. Spend some time and, and try to identify as many things as you can. It doesn't matter how big or small of an issue it is. Then do the same for the things that bring you dissatisfaction, that frustrate you, that leave you questioning your work. Put them all on the list. Now, after you get it all out there, look back on your lists. What about them jumps out at you? Do you notice trends within each list? Say, maybe that many of your dissatisfaction factors tend to focus on a poor boss or manager, or maybe a poor colleagues, maybe unproductive processes that constrict your daily work. And then what about the satisfaction factors? Think back to earlier episodes about intrinsic versus ex extrinsic motivation. What do the satisfaction factors really point towards? Uh, is it things like pay, your perks at work maybe? Uh, maybe it's time off that brings you the most satisfaction. Or it might be things that are um, like the meaningfulness of your work and how you align to the organization's mission. What does all of this say about you, about your organization, and about your work environment? So this first step aims at just getting us practice in applying a model on an easy subject ourselves because we know our work situation the best and we're likely willing to be a bit more honest in our assessment. But this practice rep or multiple reps, if you're willing to try a few iterations of it, uh, are to prepare us to then take the same approach but in looking at other individuals' work experience. So I recommend you practice this on individuals that you're close to at work, maybe some colleagues or a direct report, maybe even try your boss. But this all builds to give you practice in being thoughtful and honest in how to assess a person's work experience in relation to what drives satisfaction and dissatisfaction and ultimately impacting motivation. Through this process, uh, you can then begin to, to do this for your direct reports, thinking about their work from their perspective. You can also begin to apply this at a more collective level, looking at your team's shared motivation. This all helps you to be more honest and self-aware about your leadership and the reality of your team's work environment. And with this developed awareness, you're able to begin using it to direct uh, what things about motivation you need to adjust. What uh, do the satisfaction factors point towards? What kind of things are building motivation? Does it focus on extrinsic or intrinsic motivation? And what does this create in terms of ownership, buy-in, commitment, productivity, development, and even capacity within your team? What should it be? And is it the right mix? Is it enough of a certain flavor or, or too much? Or uh, what should you do to address the dissatisfaction of your, um, that you identify as well? So this approach can do a lot to inform you on how your people experience you as a leader and their work on a routine basis. And through that, you can use the framework to identify gaps, which you can use to direct uh, needed change in your team's culture, processes, and even uh, interpersonal relationships. Now, one final note about this model before we kind of transition to the second one here, but, uh, and, and that's about the, some important factors to consider. 
uh, both relating to satisfaction and dissatisfaction. Uh, these are factors that I've experienced, and I believe many others have too, yet remain unaddressed so often within our organizations. Uh, relating to motivating factors, I want to implore you to just never underestimate the power of your example as a leader. A leader who is caring, transparent, authentic, and brings energy to who the team is, what we do, and why we do it can definitely become an influencing, motivating factor. Additionally, uh, just communicating perspective, the why of why we are doing what we are doing can be big too. There are also other factors that make seem um, simple or insignificant but can have huge impacts. Relating to motivating factors, I want to implore you to never underestimate the power of your example as a leader. A leader who is caring, transparent, authentic, and brings energy to who the team is, what we do, and why we do it can definitely become an influencing, motivating factor. Additionally, just communicating perspective, communicating the why of what we are doing can be impactful too. There are also other factors that may seem just simple or insignificant but can really have huge impacts. Things like leaders clarifying priorities, bringing predictability to the team's work, simplifying tasks, and so on. Even just how effectively and efficiently your team manages a weekly battle rhythm of meetings and events could be a motivating factor that builds satisfaction. And there are also some hygiene factors that are worth addressing, too. I mentioned bureaucratic organizational processes earlier, which are absolutely an important one to touch on. Do cumbersome policies and rules make it near impossible for people to accomplish routine tasks at work? Are there certain digital systems, routine routing procedures, or decision-making processes that are commonly the topic of most work venting conversations at lunch? And also, just take great caution when you hear the phrase, this is how we've always done it here. For me, that's just a major signal for a potential hygiene factor that certainly needs to be addressed. And lastly, don't ignore the impact that poor leadership and management can have on dissatisfaction too. A mentor of mine once mentioned that we cannot be leaders with caveats, those things that lead others to say, yeah, he and she, he or she is great, except for, the reality is that we all have caveats, and we just might not know it. And so our enduring journey of improvement, self-awareness, self-regulation, our leadership impact, not only help us make more effective teams, they generate motivation by removing those factors that may lead others to say, yeah, but. So ensure we pay attention to these factors that often live below the waterline and, and well outside of leaders' awareness that can become major problems for people if left unintended. Okay, so that was the two-factor theory, breaking motivation into two factors that leaders need to attend to, motivation and hygiene, satisfaction, dissatisfaction. Let's now look at a second tool that dives a little bit deeper into what influences motivation. This model, uh, it's called the job characteristics model, looks at five distinct characteristics of people's jobs that create conditions for them to become internally motivated to perform their jobs effectively and to become more engaged in their work and within the team. And we can really use this tool in the same way that we did with the two-factor theory by using the characteristics to map out existing sources of motivation, assess that reality and the potential gaps of it, and ultimately use it to direct change within the team to improve conditions for motivation. But with this jobs characteristics model, uh, it takes a different lens of five core characteristics of our jobs. 
And for me, this is a helpful because it gives me a better structure on how to look at one's job and their experience at work than the two-factor theory. Both are great tools. It just may depend on your preferred approach and style. So for these five job characteristics, they're the things that shape how we experience our jobs and are the things that leaders can manipulate to improve work conditions and motivation. So let's go through these uh, five characteristics real quick. Uh, the first three, uh, the first three characteristics work in harmony to create a sense of meaningfulness in our work. This first characteristic is called skill variety, which is the degree to which a job requires a variety of different activities and skills to accomplish one's job. It doesn't necessarily uh, mean routine variety, but the flavor of uh, tasks that may just do ultimately evolve over time or maybe throughout certain seasons. The second characteristic is task identity. This looks at um, how much of the job requires completion of a whole identifiable piece of work where someone can accomplish a job from beginning to end and be able to see the visible outcomes. This is the characteristic that uh, directly feeds into a person's ownership, giving them the, uh, the pride to say that I am responsible for this thing, it's mine, and it matters. The third characteristic is task significance. It's the amount of uh, substantial impact the person's job has on the lives of other people, both internal and external to the organization. Does their work matter? And are they able to see it? And do leaders communicate that? This is probably the most critical characteristic of these first three, in my opinion, because I think a lot of people are willing to maintain challenging jobs uh, if they know and care how important it is. The fourth characteristic is autonomy, which we talked about last episode. Uh, it's how much freedom, independence, and discretion people have in their work. I remember the four types of autonomy, which we explored in that episode too. It's task, team, time, and technique. And finally, the fifth characteristic is feedback. The amount of direct uh, and clear information people receive about their effectiveness and level of performance cannot uh, only contribute to job satisfaction, but it increases ownership and commitment to continued growth. Like I said, these characteristics work together to create some pretty significant outcomes for your people and for the team. Most notably, they lead to high intrinsic motivation, individual and collective growth, job satisfaction, and increased work effectiveness. And leaders can use this framework to assess the state of the five job characteristics for people and determine areas for growth or development of them. Use it to look deeply into how your people experience their job and how you can continue to develop them. For example, uh, I have a work colleague who is placed in charge of a, a, a new program for our organization recently. It's a great opportunity for him to build something out of scratch that's going to really produce a whole new set of leader training and, and leader certification opportunities for our organization. And uh, it'll be a project where he can just really get, do some great work and build a strong reputation. However, like two months into the project, he began to just really appear uh, very uninterested in the work, easily getting frustrated and complaining about it kind of a lot. So I'm trying to talk to him about it and about the project and, and how he's doing. And really through some kind of deliberate questioning, I came to realize that he was getting like little feedback on the project and no encouragement. He had all the other job characteristics well-established. He had skill identity, he had a task identity, he had 
task significance, and even project autonomy. But the lack of feedback, especially positive feedback in the form of recognition and appreciation, um, he was losing motivation and losing job satisfaction. So as leaders, we need to remain cognizant of all the five characteristics and attend to them. We cannot ignore any of them, and they are all important. Because as I saw through my colleague, even the absence of one job characteristic can have detrimental effects on people's work. So we've talked through a few steps on how to use these two tools, get practice through repetition and diagnosing people's jobs and how they experience work to improve your, uh, their proficiency in them and to become more intentional in your awareness of people's realities as they work. But to close out today's episode, I challenge you to consider using either or both of these tools in two other ways. First, consider using them as frameworks to collect feedback from your direct reports during events, maybe like uh, weekly one-on-one meetings. You can generate questions based off the two motivating and hygiene factors or the, the five job characteristics to get a better understanding of their perspective. Uh, these can be simple questions like, If you had to pick one thing about your daily work that frustrates you the most, what would it be and why that thing? On a scale of like one to five, how important would you say that your job is to the success of this organization and why that rating? What can I do to help that number go up even just by one rating? And rather trying to grasp uh, thin air for feedback or, or try to assess people's motivation and job satisfaction simply based on hunches. You can use these tools to make your understanding more structured, more thoughtful, and more actionable. And finally, consider using these tools at your next team offsite. Introduce them, um, your people to one of the tools and, and have them conduct small group brainstorm sessions to assess the state of motivation. Allow them to tell you how they assess job satisfaction and motivation, uh, with supporting evidence. Not only are you getting like real bottom-up feedback, you're also allowing others to participate in improving work conditions through, through an exercise like this. But remember, if you look to use these tools at a team offsite or, or something, and you have them tell you the state of motivation, you're really only allowed to say one thing in response or some version of this response. And that's, thank you, I hear you, I appreciate your feedback, and I look forward to taking action to address this. There's no justifying. There's no arguing what they present. You must only be in receive mode. So with a better understanding of motivation, particularly intrinsic motivation and autonomy, and now equipped with a few simple tools to take action with, I'm excited for you to thoughtfully create conditions for an improved workplace. A place where people can be productive, enjoy their jobs, how they work, the team that they work with, and the environment that they do too. And while I wouldn't say these three episodes um, diving into motivation are everything that you need to know on how to tap into the power of motivation as a leader, I do believe the ideas from this short series will start you on a solid path towards more intentional leadership. So thanks for joining us today and over these last three episodes. And thanks for your continued support and your leadership. I believe that everyone is entitled to caring and intentional leadership, and you provide that leadership. Thanks for letting us continue to join you on your journey of learning and leader development. 
Now, if you enjoyed today's episode, I just kindly ask that you take a minute and give us a like and review. Uh, It really just helps us kind of get some street cred out there. And if you're new to 3x5 and interested in learning more, uh, you can go to our website, and it's 3x5leadership.com, where you can find our various resources, sign up for our weekly email, and even receive our free guide, which is called the 10 Habits of Intentional Leaders. And so that's it for this week, friends. I'm Josh, and again, thanks for joining us. Until next time, take care and lead well.